Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome and brand new. Welcome to Real Talk, a movie podcast which each week covers a new release and selected movie news with a revolving cavalcade of guests only on the We Made This Podcast Network. My name is Nick Chandler, your Master of Ceremonies host and everything in between. And joining me today in this episode is Film Guff co-host and returning guest, Kev Moore. Bonjour. Bonjourno. Um, before we get going with this week's episode on the Banshees of Inishirin, um, please follow us on Twitter at RealTalkWMT. Uh, the We Made This Network is on at We underscore Made This. Uh, please review and drop us a rating. It really, really helps us get the show out there um that is obviously as of recording um as of next week we don't know if twitter's still going to be around we don't know if the internet's <laughs> still going to be around we don't know if democracy's still going to be around um so yeah just you know if if it's if everything still exists drop us a follow that'd be really great <laughs> um so i actually had on ali last week um to talk about black adam and uh i've now got the other half again <laughs> Yeah, it's it's almost like you're watching the end of a good marriage. You you've seen <laughs> both partners breaking up. <laughs> it's it's like the scene in Fight Club where where um, Helen and Boba Carter and Brad Pitt are never in the same room together, and Edward Norton yeah. sat there eating his cereal, and they're all just walking in and out. And it's no. basically how I feel at the moment. Yeah, you're Ricky Schrader from uh, Kramer versus Kramer. That's who you are. <laughs> um, but less cute. But less, less, much, much less cute. Um, so it would, it's good, it's great to have you back. Uh, we had you on last time for Bullet Train, um, mm-hmm. which, as time has gone on, I'm just a bit kind of been more nonplussed by as its by its existence. I don't know <laughs> if it's kind of grown in your opinion since then. Yeah, it's one I'll still watch. You know, if it's on, I'll I'll still yeah. think, yeah, fine. I'm not going to turn it off. Yeah, um, but it's uh, it's November at the moment, um, which means that uh, there's the standard, you know, I'm on the on the I'm on the film film nerds on Letterboxd and Twitter and currently Mastodon as well. Um, that there's a, a November um, happens uh, every year where you just watch film noir because it why not i mean why not it's kind of kind of suited film noir is kind of suited for november you know days are getting shorter nights are getting longer it's getting darker um and everybody is kind of wrapped up in coats um lighting cigarettes in shadows and uh everyone's bedroom looks as though it has shy lighting um so what I've asked is I've asked Kev to um, come up with a recommendation, a November recommendation. Um, so what would he would recommend for November? So go ahead. Mine's a, a little bit out. 
start again. Mine's a little bit out of left field, and it's from 2005, and it's a film called Brick, uh, which is a neo-noir, neo really, um, directed by Ryan Johnson, who every Star Wars fan knows the name of, and nobody seems to remember how he started, which was this fantastic little film that has um, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it as the lead. Um, it has... Uh, oh, grief. I'm trying to think of his name now. The guy from Witness, the uh, Lucas Haas, um, he turns up in it. It's a, a very interesting and very Dashiell Hammett feel to it. You know, it's a very labyrinthine plot. It's it's very interesting. It's a good little film, and it's rather than it being grown ups, it's all high school kids and. The way that it plays out is brilliant. It's a fantastic film. Um, had it on the Kingdom Atomic podcast a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, paired it with um, Nicholas Ray's In a Lonely Place. It's Nicholas Ray, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, I think I made I think I think made the bold declaration at the time. And I think I, I kind of still stand by it. I do think it's one of the best debut films out there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, it's definitely in the. I, I, you know, it's not, you know, it's not Citizen Kane, but like in terms of like debut movies, it's a, a very, very strong film. Um, I think you know the 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 score of that movie is is just lovely, syncopated by Nathan Johnson. Nathan, um, yeah. It's all found sound as well. Um, I've yeah. actually got the soundtrack to it. <laughs> Bought the soundtrack just because I thought, how can somebody create something from a kitchen sink? Literally a kitchen sink like that. Superb. Um, yeah, the, the the cinematography I think by Stevie Adlin is really really strong. Um, obviously, he got, went on. He's worked with Ryan Johnson throughout. Um, yep. Most notably, I mean, on on the Star Wars film that everybody loves. Um, I, um, I do. <laughs> I know. I love. I love the last Jedi. I love the last yeah. Jedi. Um, I've got no problem with it. It's a no. Saturday, Saturday matinee film. That's exactly yeah. what they were supposed to be. <laughs> it's a great. It is. It is. It, I think you are right. It is a very, very noir. It is a noir movie. It's hmm. you know. It's really, really. It has the has the kind of the the hard boiled detective played by Joseph Gordon Levitt, Brand, uh, yep. Brendan. Uh, you yeah. got the femme fatale um you've got the you know the, the the dead girl you've got the mystery you've got the kind of the the, the drug kingpin yeah. kind of behind yep. all of it you know it it's it's very 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 good choice hmm. um did you see um did you have you seen the brothers bloom his his follow-up to this yeah i did um that's the one with adrian brody isn't it yeah Rachel voice yeah. and mark ruffalo yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's, that's another very film. very good film yeah um, which for some reason isn't about on Blu-ray. I have no idea why because it's it's really good. I think it's going um, to be one of those in fifteen years or so. You know, suddenly it'll get this weird sort of second life. You know, when all the critics decide that yeah. oh no, actually we were wrong to slam that as unmercifully I, as we did. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Brothers Bloom was slammed. I just think it just kind of came out and no one kind of really gave two thoughts about it i think it got relatively good reviews and it just kind of just petered out and yeah i think it's really weird because it's got a really good performance by virtual vice brody agent brody and mark ruffalo are great and it's got yep. 
Rinko Kikuchi, I mean, I think it's one of her first roles in 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 American cinema, and she's utterly excellent. Yeah. Um. And am I right in thinking Robbie Coltrane's in it, or no? Am I thinking something else? Um, oh, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I couldn't remember. I'm but, gonna have to um, Google this. Yeah. Brothers Bloom. Um, the Sunday Sport. Hated it. it. There is somebody in it that's um you know one of those like character act. Yeah, Robbie Coltrane is in it. Hey. The late, the late great Robbie Coltrane is in it. Um, so you can't go wrong. Uh, can't go wrong. Um, so my choice, I've actually cheating. Um, I've got two. Um, I've got. Well, I, hope, I hope you've gone for one old, one new. Then, like you were on Keen Atomic. I got one old and one from the nineties. So that's new. The old, <laughs> <laughs> that's the um. The old one is Elevator to the Gallows by Louis Malle, um from 1958, starring um, one of the most beautiful women ever to be on the silver screen, Jean Moreau. Um, and Maurice Brené. I mean, it's got... I, it, ever since I saw it, um, Danny, my co-host on the Keen Tomic podcast, she, she got made, made us watch it for the for the podcast from November a couple of years ago, and it's really, really stuck with me. Um, you think when you're kind of thinking about the movie... As in, as in the plot-wise, about the fact that this guy, he murders his, his employer and he wants to run away with the mistress, but then he gets stuck literally in an elevator and everything goes to shit from there. <laughs> and you kind of think, oh, that kind of sounds a bit naff, but it's really, really, really good. Um, it's, it's a 90-minute movie as well, and it's got on a fantastic score by Miles Davis. Um... And yeah, uh, Elevator to the Gallows. Um, have you have you seen have you seen that? I haven't. No, and this is the first time I've heard of this one. But Miles Davis doing a soundtrack—that's mm, probably going to dampen my ardor to see that one. <laughs> <laughs> I I really recommend it. I really really, really do. Yeah. Um, I think out of the November ones that we've had on the Kingdom Top Podcast, it's the one that I've kind of that's really stuck with me. That when everyone everyone has asked like about noir movie, I'm like. Elevators of the Gallows, like, I really recommend that. Um, cool. The other one is uh, recent, and we're actually going to be doing it coming up for this year's November on, on, our, on my other podcast, and that is uh, Carl Franklin's Devil in a Blue Dress, um, starring Denzel Washington, Tom Sizemore, Jennifer Beals, uh, Tom Cheadle, um, and it is... <sighs> it's the kind of movie that should have launched a franchise, but for obvious reasons didn't. Mm. And it's such a shame. Um, Denzel Washington absolutely kills it as Easy Rawlings. It's more of an origin story um, leading up to him becoming a private detective. Um, You get the kind of the classic narration and you get the, you know, the mystery about what's going on. It's like Chinatown and like um, uh, Laura. It's more of a film. It's more of a film about identity it's more that kind of noir. Um, and yeah, it's really, really good. Um, I really recommend it. And Don Cheadle comes in and almost steals the movie from Denzel Washington, which is no hard feat. Um, have you seen Have you seen Devil in a Blue Dress? I could actually walk over now and pick up the Blu-ray. It's on the indicator shelves that you yep. can see just there. And... Um, no, I haven't because it's still wrapped. <laughs> this oh, wow. is how I know which ones I haven't watched yet. But yeah, um, uh, it is one that's 
definitely moved up the list because it's Denzel anyway. Yeah, it, it's it's really good. It's set in the late 1940s LA. Um, it's post World War Two, and there's a lot of stuff in there about race relations in America at that time. Um, and it's it's based on a series of books, um, which are still be, still going from what I know from what I what I can kind of gather, and I'm actually really tempted to start reading them myself. Um, and yeah, it should have launched a franchise about Easy Rawlings as a PI um, in this post, you know, World War II LA, and it didn't because, you know, in the in the 90s, <laughs> mid 90s, you know, having a, a like a franchise based around a, a black noir detective. Mm. It's not really a, a, a good sell. Um, uh, yeah, especially around LA. Especially around LA. And <laughs> yeah, and it is it is prime for like a reboot or somebody to kind of take it on and be like, right, we're going to do a limited series or we're going to do a series based around this. Um, and yeah, no, it's a, it's a really, 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 really big re- recommendation from me. Um, and as I'm, as I'm speaking, like Kev is currently... You know, leaning back, and I'm assuming trying to grab his Devil and Blue Dress Blu-ray. <laughs> just, just checking the shelves. There's another one that I wanted to recommend as well. But going on the back of you mentioned in Chinatown, yeah, and um, it's just evading me at the minute. It is the one where you've got oh, the guy from the X X Men. Um, uh, this is going to be all cut out because this is the, just, uh, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, this one is just going on the back of Chinatown. Well, I don't know whether you can see it there, but Ooh, it Day is of the Locust. Day of the Locust, which is a phenomenal film, and it pretty much inhabits the same area. Um, both geographically and in time Um, such a fantastic film and it starts off being a pretty run-of-the-mill film noir and then I would say the last 15 minutes of it just oh fantastic I have have the book so (laughs) I I have the book which I've actually been reading like I started reading it Um. Because I wanted to watch the movie, and yeah, so Kev's, Kev's, got, Kev's yeah. got the film, and I've got the book. <laughs> yeah, the movie is fantastic. Um, the last 15 minutes, it just goes all out, and you just think, oh my god, this can't possibly get any crazier, and it does. It's fantastic. Jackie L. Haley is in it as a little child as well. It was about eight. Oh, wow. child so taylor lucas 1975 john Schlesinger. Schlesinger, yeah Schlesinger. um donald sutherland karen black burgess meredith william atherton good cast william atherton yeah william atherton in this is an absolute heel good god he's it, but then that's william atherton that's all he seems to be able to play but god he does it good <laughs> Excellent. I'm I'm definitely gonna give that a watch um in this November. Um 
I look, I'm actually really, yeah, I'm, I'll let you know what I think of that. And um, mm. I'm looking forward to your... your Devil uh, in a Blue Dress. Devil in mm. a Blue Dress, yeah. Okay. Um, you're reading us offline on my um, Zencaster. Yeah, I got, I got a, a weird thing come up, but it's still working. I can still see it here. Okay, but, that's odd. Uh, I'm we'll still recording. I'm still recording we'll, anyway. We'll leave it and, yeah. To be honest, I'm have to just to stop this and just use it as like the video call thing. I don't really need the backup. I don't know. It's just yeah, using, it's you just can using do. up my internet. Yeah, you can do because. Yeah, um... okay. <laughs> yeah I, don't, I don't need it. It's fine. <laughs> just use it as like a cheap zoom. Um, yeah. Well, you can use it as um, like your. Uh, as far as your editing is concerned, you know you've got your like your first chunk, can't you? And then you can get into the meat of the film. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got I'm, I'm recording on my own thing anyway, which is Ooh. always better because I've got filters and stuff, which makes me sound a bit more professional. Cool, right? I could do with filters like that. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I do it for a job. <laughs> I've got the isotope suite. So those are our uh, November recommendations. Um, yeah, so. I'm really looking forward to catching those. Um, definitely watching uh, Day of the Lucas. Um, and Brick, I, I can't recommend enough. That's a really, really good, two good, really good choices. Um, and I, <laughs> I'm i actually surprised that my choices are ones that you hadn't seen. I, I, I'm yeah. very, very surprised. <laughs> I've not seen every film ever just yet, but I'm working at it. <laughs> I mean, your your letterbox numbers put mine to shame. Um, oh, they're ridiculous. Um, but I have a feeling most of those are just um, public service broadcasts from the from the seventies um, that the BBC <laughs> showed, um, which is technically cheating. <laughs> um. Hey guys, my name is Tony Black, podcaster and author, and I'm here to tell you about Partisan, a podcast about politics and history in film and entertainment. I'll be joined by guests as we discuss films, TV shows, and maybe a little bit more, examining political and historical topics, such as how Elvis intersects with black cultural history. In Lerman's film, the idea of the black characters are maybe kind of, they're used as catalysts to basically move Elvis forward in his career. I think that that's how I saw it. The rise and fall of Richard Nixon. It seems to be historians seem to agree with this, is that he was the first president that really capitalized on the evangelical vote and politicized them. The disturbing class satire in society and much, much more. Partisan is free to download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your podcast app of choice. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Partisan Pod. I hope you'll vote with your feet and join us on the journey. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So now we're going to move on to our review of the film The Banshees of Inishirin. Callum Sonny Larry. Didn't you and he used to be the best of friends? We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You didn't like me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been done. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite, it was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. If you don't stop talking to me... Callum! And if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home, and each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them, and I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. Here is a very, very brief spoiler-free synopsis. Two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. This is the new film from Martin McDonough, the writer-director behind In Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, and Three Ball Boards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, the film brings together Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and Martin McDonough for the first time since 2008's In Bruges. Um, joining them in this film is uh, Barry Keoghan and Kerry Condon. Um, <laughs> this you you didn't you weren't made you were made aware of this film on this very podcast. Uh, uh, yeah. I remember. <laughs> I was. Uh, and you're you're a fan of Martin McDonagh. Um, you're, I'm assuming you got thoughts on all of his all of his movies. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and his brother, obviously, because they work in tandem. They they have exactly the same sensibilities and the same storytelling style as well. How did you come across uh, Martin McDonagh for the first time? Hmm, I think it was probably in Bruges. Um, I'm trying to think of it. Anything earlier? I, I'm fairly sure that was one of his earliest films. I know he did the um, uh, the Six Shooter, um, which I've actually mm. got on Blu-ray. But um... that's a short movie, isn't it? It's only a half yeah, hour it is. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think for a lot of people, it was in Bruges that kind of mm. made him a name. Um, he'd been a playwright for many, many years before that. Um, I've been told his work is very very good um as a playwright um need to probably get on that and read some of his scripts and learn a thing or two um mm. in bruges i think was one of my favorite movies of 2008 when i saw it <laughs> yeah um same here i quote it on a regular basis um i'm about to stop quoting <laughs> everything that ralph finds says in it because oh my god that'll just get you kicked out of a cafe it would get you kids out of the cafe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a great movie. Um, and I really, I, I went and saw his follow-up, Seven Psychopaths, in the cinema. Which the general, general consensus behind that is a lot of people are just kind of a bit meh about it. And mm. I, for one, I really enjoyed it. I, 
I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I thought Christopher Walken was obviously the standout of the of the film, and Sam Rockwell and Colin Farrell have got really great chemistry, and I would really like to see that again sometime else. Um, Sam Rockwell in particular seems to you know you know there's certain like actors that real really revel in a certain writer's like dialogue, and I think Sam Rockwell is really well suited as much suited as Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson's The Martin Madonna's, uh, you know, dialogue. Um, yeah. Which kind of brings me on to the fact that Three Billboards Outside of Emmy, Missouri, I think is overrated. I didn't... What? I... I yeah. <laughs> well, b- bizarrely, uh, that's one that I've seen very recently. And um, it's really a standout piece of work. I love the fact that it ends in pretty much the same way that every Martin McDonough film ends, you know, where you're kind of left going, uh, okay, <laughs> I guess that's a good place to finish. And again, it's got Sam Rockwell in it, who, for my money, turns in his career best. And Christ almighty, I've seen so many Sam Rockwell films, but three three billboards, I think you've really got to revisit that. I've... Uh... <laughs> i don't know i don't know like i don't know i was just felt i just felt really kind of uh disappointed by it um and it really left a sour taste in my mouth by its dealings with race in that movie um yeah i did think it was a bit clumsy and it didn't do it was it just didn't feel as strong as in Bru- nowhere near as strong as in Bruges, and I, I don't think it was as good as Seven Psychopaths. And in terms of Sam Rockwell performances, I mean, his best performance is Guy in Guy at Galaxy <laughs> Quest. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't even know my name. <laughs> if we're talking, if we're talking great performances by Sam Rockwell, Guy in Galaxy Quest is is the best one. Um. um the original, he, he, the original red shirt. The original red shirt. And to be fair, his Zaphod Beeble Brox is very, very good as well. Oh, and I really, yeah. I really like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I think mm-hmm. his Zaphod is really, really good. Um, so, yeah. Um, anyway, this isn't the Sam Rockwell podcast. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. Unfortunately. So, I mean, I've been, I've been looking forward to Banshee's since it was kind of announced. It was announced like last year. Um, you know, rumours of Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson getting back together in a Martin McDonough movie. I mean, that is just, you know, they killed it in In Bruges and you just can't wait to see them kind of do it again. Um, and I very much stayed away, away from trailers. I stayed away from plot synopsis and stuff. Good. Literally until... <laughs> literally, I think until the time where I actually spoke about it on the podcast with you when I actually yeah. finally looked up the the plot synopsis and was like that sounds i'm looking forward to that that sounds like a really really you know interesting premise um so thoughts then kev spoiler free thoughts on banshees of ensuring if you can yeah if if you know what you're getting into as far as a mcdonough film um you know exactly what you're gonna get um it is a beautiful film to look at it can possibly be a bit boring if you think about it and sit there and watch it for the first time because it's very slow moving. But it's a film based in 1928 Ireland. Well, not even Ireland, an island off Ireland. Um, 
where life is very slow moving. Once you actually get your head around that, it's bizarre. I've actually been to the cinema and seen this twice now. The second time, it's almost like it's running at an accelerated rate, and I can't understand why. But the second time I watched it, it was like it was half the time. And I came out of the cinema thinking, but no, that's exactly the same amount of time as the last time. What What's changed? But I think it's because you actually get into the story and you know exactly what to expect so you can actually enjoy it a lot more. And it is a beautiful film to look at. The, the photography on this is fantastic. Um and let's face it, all the location stuff is just picture postcard. Yeah, it's it certainly is something to look at. I'm just looking at it's Ben Davis as the cinematographer. Um and he was he's actually done a lot of Marvel work. Um <laughs> Yeah. I looked up his list and they were like, What? <laughs> yeah. Um Actually, to be fair, like, I mean, now I'm thinking about it. I mean, the other film he's done is Stardust um, yep. from 2007. Mm. And come to think of it, it does, you can see it in, yeah. you can see that kind of uh, treatment of the, I think, say the treatment. The countryside. How, yeah, the countryside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the way the countryside looks. Nature, yeah. It definitely feels along the same kind of, of wavelength. Mm. And... The fact that, you know, Stardust is kind of an interesting point then for me to kind of lead on and say that, you know, it's... This movie is... It's is quite... It's quite magical, really, when you kind of think Jeez. about it. Yeah. Um, I think the dialogue is is utterly superb. Everyone in the movie absolutely kills it. Mm-hmm. And that is down to the animals as well, which we'll go into <laughs> yeah. when it comes to spoilers. Yeah. But everyone in that movie absolutely nails their part. Um, the film looks incredible. The score is beautiful yep. and haunting and devastating. Um, and what starts off as a film where you're thinking this is you know, in Bruges kind of silliness, it then turns into something else. And mm-hmm. it really, really reveals itself at that moment as something really, really utterly incredible. I'm really gutted. I haven't had a chance to see it for a second time before the recording. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's left theatres now um, up here. So I might have to just now wait until it comes out on VOD to see it again. I'm really looking forward to my dad watching the movie because it's it's it feels like a movie that is definitely suited for some for for a middle aged man in their fifties, yeah. Um, than it is for somebody like me who is you I'm know definitely the target of the audience. 30s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kev's the target audience. But even then, like I I stop and think about the movie, and I think there's a lot of themes in there that I really really relate to, and I get it. I really really get it. And I think as time goes on and as I get older, I think this movie is going to be something I'm going to return back to and just feel a lot more. Mm. Um, You know, there are movies, I say movies, but there are kind of movies and TV shows that throughout my life I've kind of gone back to. And especially through my 20s, I come, I mean, through my 20s, for example, um, 
Community is one of my favorite TV shows. And when I was in my early 20s watching the show, I related a lot more to Abed and Troy. And then as I got a little bit older, it was like, then it turned into to Annie. And then I'm, you know, in my late 20s, it was like Britta. And now I'm like in my 30s, I'm, I'm more relating more to Jeff. And I think that's kind of like the same, that's the same kind of thing with with this is that as now as I'm this age, I think I relate a lot more to I do as 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 to Patrick. And I think as I'm going to get older, I think it's going to be, you know, calm. And I think that is the sign of really great writing and a really, really great understanding of your characters and of your world that you've created. Um, so yeah, this this movie is an absolute recommendation from me. Yep, same here. And yeah, I, at the moment, at the moment, I mean, Danny nearly murdered me, but at the moment, it's it's not it's not in my it's not a five star film on my top 20 you know my top for 2022 yeah, yeah um it's currently sat at number seven um and i think maybe repeated viewings that we may it probably will i have a feeling it might bump it up um but it's definitely <laughs> one of the best films of the year it's definitely one of the best films of the year bizarrely um the first time i saw it i came out of there and it just haunted me for a, a good day before i actually put my letterbox rating on and um, I gave it five stars. I went back and thought, maybe this will change it. And I went, well, no, because I can't give it six stars because it actually works better. Oh, good God. Um, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm uh, just a completely sold fan on this. It's a great film. But it's a beautiful film about friendship as well as family. Yeah. And it, it's a really lovely portrayal of um, a small community as well. It's great. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. I think we're going to, I think we should go into spoilers now. Um, so spoiler section for Banshees of Inishirin. So I don't want any cut off appendages thrown at my front door, please. Um, <laughs> don't kill my donkey. Um, don't kill my dog. Don't burn down my house. <laughs> please um so spoiler section now for banshees of inishirin um where do we start where do we start where where do we start i mean this i mean ultimately this film i mean i think think about this film in, in terms of its thematic kind of ideas it's definitely a film about mortality and loneliness and i think how those two kind of are one and almost one i don't say one and the same but they are so symbiotic yeah. And with Colin as a character, as soon as he shuts himself off, his mortality is almost is ticking down. Um, well, he's obsessed with it, isn't he? Because um, yeah. he's of the mind that he needs to escape the island, and he the only way that he can do this is by writing the Banshees of Inishrin, which is this piece of music that he's going to play at Padraig's um, funeral. <laughs> which is a lovely touch uh but he's got really 
high-minded about the whole thing and you think yeah you're getting ideas way above your station because you're living in the middle of nowhere and you're not going to get anywhere <laughs> but um the fact that he feels like his time is ticking down and he should really be doing something about it you know and getting this track track this this tune written yeah it's um quite something it's the, it's the bit where um you know he you know, Siobhan, Kerikonda Siobhan, you know, corners him and is just like, what are you doing? And he tells her, you know, he, he just wants to, you know, he's fed up of talking about going through the motions and just going through. And she literally just looks at him and just like, you are living off of an island off of the coast of Ireland. What what do you expect? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, You're all mad. You're, You're all, all mad. mad. <laughs> um, And the treatment... The, the the character development here of Pod, Pod, Padraig it's Padraig or Patrick Patrick Pad, Padraig yeah uh, Padraig. is nothing short of heartbreaking um he is a character that's so well meaning at the start he is so full of heart mm. and you know he, he, you could tell that he doesn't really want to wish an ill upon anybody you know he just wants to have a point with his mate yeah and it just it's just at really hard yeah at two o'clock and it's just really hard <laughs> to see him you know go through this period of grief and confusion of losing his best friend um due to a decision that he he can't understand you know he yeah, really wants to know his why and he he, he yeah yeah, he's just one of life's good guys, isn't he? Because um, th there's a bit where he's talking at the bar with John Joe, and um, John Joe says to him, Colin was always more of a thinker, and he says, Huh? I think. And then John Joe says, You're more one of life's good guys. And he pretty much nails. He's a beautifully well meaning, a simple man. Yeah. <laughs> he's not. It, the thing is, he's always. Um, like kicking down, he, he's always punching down to um, oh, Dominic. Dominic, yeah, which I've got his character, uh, Patrick Keegan, Keegan, Barry, Barry, Barry Keegan, Barry Keegan, yeah. Um, I've probably butchered his name, I'm very sorry for that, but uh, yeah, he's he, again, Dominic is fantastic in the. the moments of pure insight that Dominic has are fantastic because. Every now and again, he's supposed to be like the village idiot, and yet when they sat there at tea at one point, it says touche, and of course Padraig's just like, "What?" <laughs> he's French. <laughs> yeah, Dominic. Dominic's an interesting character. Ooh. it's probably it's the most tragic character of the lot. Um. Yeah. And. When I said that, you know, when I said earlier that all the actors really, really killed their parts, Barry Keegan actually, I, he's a good. I know he's a good actor because I've seen it. I, you know, Dunkirk, mm. I saw it, and uh, um, there was something else I saw him in, and I thought he was he was really, really good. He was, you know, he's one of the, you know, standout characters in Marvel's Eternals. Um, but it, it's, in all seriousness, he's a he's a very, very talented actor, and you, you yeah. can really, really see that. And the, the performance he gives is innocent. He's really, really innocent and 
really, really troubled by, you know, his his father, his abusive mm. father, sexually abusive father. It's it's definitely explicitly said. Um, the scene that he has with uh, Siobhan on the lakeside. Oh. Um, utterly heartbreaking. Yeah. And when when he's been rejected by her for quite, you know, for frankly, perfectly. You know, re- you know, valid reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, and you understand her where she's coming from. The fact that she wants to get away. You know, she's, you know, and she's not interested in Dominic like that. And you know, it's it's all perfectly understandable. But it's just the way he reacts to that. It really, really kills me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just go over there and do yeah. the thing I was going to do over there. <laughs> and then the next, and then the next time we see him, he's been, oh, you know. Dragged out the dragged out the lake. I love the fact that you've got a foretelling of this by the fact that the first time you see Dominic in the film, he has a hook yeah. on a stick, which is obviously used to pull boats in or something like that. You know, it's obviously something to do with the harbour, yeah. which which we see so many times in the film. Um, and of course, then you see the magwitch walking around with it instead. <laughs> I'm calling her the Mag Witch because I I can't remember her character's name at all. But oh my god, she was terrifying. <laughs> she was a, it's a you know interesting characters. Um, what was her name? Were it Mrs. McCormack or something like that? Yeah, Mrs. Oh. McCormack is that her? Mm, I think so. Maybe, but she mm. she was an interesting character in that almost almost supernatural. Really? Like, mm. there's something quite, there's something, you know, quite spectral about her, you know, yep. that she li- clearly lives in that small building <laughs> next to the lake, <laughs> you know. And it's a shed. It's a shed, <laughs> Just yeah, say it's it. a shed. It's a shed. She lives in a shed. And there's something quite, you know, spectral about her, and it kind of really yeah. adds that kind of, you know, like I said, like magical, mythical element to the film. Yeah, you think about um, it. How many times does she turn up? Because she seems to be an omnipresent mm. character. Um, she'll turn up in the harbour in O'Riordan's shop. She turns up just when Patrick's just trying to hide from her <laughs> behind a wall. <laughs> uh, she's on the cliff top when Patrick is there towards the end. Um, she's I mean, just I, all over the place. I think she. I think she is. Uh, a banshee i mean but i think mm. because i mean a banshee in irish folklore for those that don't know is somebody is a female spirit that that heralds the death of a family member usually by you know screaming wailing shrieking that kind of thing but i think what is being placed here with her presence in this movie is that she isn't obviously you know screaming shouting wailing all this kind of thing and i think that is because of her place in 1920s ireland you know it's you know and the fact that that kind of the death around ireland in that time obviously shown by you know that what was going on on the mainland which we see kind of Mm -hmm. you know off the coast you know i think her almost her powers have been you know taken away by that and she you know as as like this mythical cat mythical thing Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm reading into this too much. No, no, I don't no. Know. Yeah, I think I think you're actually onto something because if you remember when um, Colm and Padraig are talking about 
Colum's uh, tune, the Banshees of Inishirin, uh Padraig says Banshees don't exist, and certainly not on this island. And then um, this, they start discussing whether there is actually uh, Banshees, and there might actually be Banshees on Inishirin after all. So, hmm. It's, it's uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I'd never thought about that, you know. I'm, oh, I'm paying another visit. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! What, what a shame! Oh, curses! <laughs> um, I think the, he said that he said the film really has this kind of like some magical quality to it, and hmm. it's a film that really, it really, really sticks with me when you start thinking about its place with you know when it comes to thinking about mortality, especially. Um, and whether what we're doing, you know, now what we are all doing, whether we're all, what are we, is it worth it? I mean, yeah, you know, mm. <coughs> it's just the actions, the actions are calm here. He cuts off his fingers and, you know, every time, um, Patrick kind of, he says to him, you know, if you talk to me, if you harass me in any way then i will cut off one of my fingers and and throw it at your door you know i'll give it to you (laughs) and you think oh he can't can't possibly be serious and he he is very very serious he's and with tragic consequences because we lose i mean there are two characters in here that die and one of them is dominic and the other one is another character is jenny the donkey um, and I don't know about you, but I'm not over the loss of Jenny. No, I'm not either. It is just awful because Jenny was so much a character on her own. The fact that Padraig just loved to have all the animals in the house. Uh, of course, we're talking about Siobhan. She moves to the mainland. So the first thing he does is actually let all the animals in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Because, of course, he's a, a milk farmer. So he's got cows in his bedroom, <laughs> which is um, quite something. But Jenny, uh, and the amount of times Siobhan is shouting, get her out. <laughs> no, no, get out. No. <laughs> Just, oh, brilliant. Um, but there's a, something that Colm says. Which does stick with you, and it is something that probably is the one pivot point for Padraig's character when he says niceness doesn't last. And he he talks about how all the great composers like Mozart, who he says from, from the 17th century, and then Siobhan says, no, it was the 18th century, actually. But um, he says about how all the great works of music and art always last through the centuries, but they'll not remember you in 50 years. And that was just horrible. You know, it's just a a shocking thing, but it doesn't make you think, yeah, you basically, you're not leaving a mark. So it's, yeah. I've been trying to think about what the purpose of Jenny is, (laughs) what the purpose of killing Jenny really was. Mm. Um, because I didn't want. I don't think it. It. I don't think it was written as like a just a mindless act that had no reason. I mean, they they, they had to be a reason for it to happen. And I think what you bring up there. You know, Jenny 
is a donkey at the end of the day is a, is a yeah. well-meaning donkey incredibly charming wonderful to see but who apart from patrick who is going to remember her after yeah. she you know after she goes mm. and that's probably that's where com's coming from you know it's like you can be as you know loyal and kind and full of love as your donkey johnny jenny the donkey Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day you're no one's going to remember you because niceness you're not going to be remembered for for being a nice person and that's i mean that's horrible to think i'm yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's quite a shock. It's quite a, a wake-up call, isn't it? I like to think I'm a nice person. And I I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I would like to be remembered in some capacity. But it you makes know. you wonder. <laughs> do, yeah. we, do we need to actually go and design a, a new warhead or something? I think it, it, it kind of makes you think that you either have to be you know, like a history's greatest monster. You know, hmm. the line, the line from The Simpsons when they released the statue of Jimmy Carter, and the guy goes, "That's history's greatest monster," um, <laughs> which makes me laugh every time. <laughs> yeah. Or, or a great thinker, or a great artist, which is clearly where Calm is. Hmm. You know, it it kind of it kind of has you at that almost it's almost at an impasse. You know, what what do you what do you do? Do you just continue being a nice person? You know, what's what good is that going to do in the annuals of history? Mm. Um, but then doing a thing such as killing your donkey, <laughs> killing someone's donkey, it, it has a consequence, and that's kind of where that's where but, Patrick's character turns. Yeah, but again, Patrick still is. I don't know. He's, he's still clinging to the vestiges of what he used to be as well, because he could quite clearly have gone over and, you know, wreaked revenge on um, Colm's dog quite easily, because you actually see him go over to Colm's place while Colm is out, and you see the poor dog look up at him as if to say, right, my number's up then. And yeah. it doesn't. It says, I would never ever lay a finger on you and you know and it's it's that intrinsic sweetness of Padraig he cannot possibly let go of it completely um but but obviously <laughs> Colm has never had it from the start I love the fact that they are like an uh like a, a crazy update of the odd couple you've got these two people that have absolutely nothing in common and yet, for years, they've been meeting at two o'clock and going to the pub every day and talking absolute garbage every day. It's, it's, just, a, it's just thinking about the film in, in, in that kind of thematic context, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know about you. It's like I said. Like I, I think from my from my perspective, as someone in their in their early thirties, it's it's kind of it's kind of has me thinking. You know, am I, am I almost doing the right thing at this stage of my life to be, you know, <laughs> wanting to be remembered? 
and obviously you're you know a, a bit a bit more seasoned than i am um mm. i don't want to say older because that's rude but you know eh, don't care <laughs> um you've seen a you 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 saw only fools and horses when it was actually on television in the 80s whereas <laughs> you know i didn't um you know do you do, do you get that as as like somebody you know a, you know a bit older like you know, do you get that kind of feeling where Colm's coming from or do you still kind of holding on to that hopefulness that patrick has i can understand exactly where Colm's coming from um you do feel like uh, it helps that i'm a parent as well because obviously you're always thinking of your legacy and how you'll be remembered and wanting to make sure that it's in a positive light but then what exactly do you do that makes you remembered anyway i mean some of the most remembered people are some of the most awful people so i don't know it's a it's a strange one it's a it's a very interesting film because it brings up so many different ideas like we've had so many different topics come up in this conversation um (laughs) but the one thing i can think of is that punching the policeman is definitely and not a sin. No. <laughs> no. The the, the 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 authority figures here in the film, you've got the the landlord, you've got the um priest, you've got the policeman, and then you've got the shop lady. Yeah. Um and they're all corrupt. <sighs> corrupt, yeah. Mm. Um the shop lady is you know, reads reads your reads reads your letters. <laughs> makes no um, bones about it either <laughs> no um has no interest in you as a as a person is clearly just there just to act on her own impulses you know as a shopkeeper you know as a keeper of knowledge or as a keeper of you know what's going on all she wants to do is know more things and it has no purpose on itself the policeman is all about power is all about holding that power um you've got and and the and the land the landlord I think the landlord's maybe the the less the least corrupt of them all but then he's providing the alcohol at the end of the day yeah, like yeah and he still stirs it by you know listening to conversations and then throwing factoids back at other people yeah. so he's as bad as road I'll read it he's as bad as O'Riordan in that uh, respect you know at the shop. Yeah, and then you've got, and then you've got the priest who just doesn't give a shit. No, he clearly doesn't care about the Bible either. No, <laughs> um, you know he's there to be, you know he's there to be the 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 confidant. He's there to be the the messenger to you know keep keep you in in line with your faith and all that, you know, Catholic bollocks. Um, no offense, no offense to any religious <laughs> listeners out there, but it. He really just does not does not give a shit. No. Um and he's not acting in the best interest his best interest as a priest. Um Yeah. It, as uh, it's an it, this is a this is a this is a film that I could you know, you like you said that you're just bringing up more and more things when you're talking about it. And you know, it's a sign of really, really great writing. And mm. it see no surprise, I mean it's Mark Madonna, I mean it's no surprise. <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel like it's a spiritual successor, or are they playing tennis together? Actually, thinking about it, because this is a spiritual successor to, for me to Calvary. 
I haven't actually seen Calvary. Ooh. Um, well, I definitely recommend it because it's on the Disney Channel under comedy, which is a choice. Not <laughs> yeah, a that, choice. It's a choice. Yeah. Um, I think that somebody at the Disney Channel has been on a bit of a tab that morning and decided, yeah, <laughs> let's stick it in comedy. No, I'll stick it in family as well. Fine, why not? But, uh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely recommend Calvary on the back of this. Okay. Um, the score from Carter Burwell is really, really, really good. Um, I didn't realise it was Carter Burwell. Yeah, oh I stayed God. at the credits. I stayed at the, yeah. the credits. I was watching the credits. And I was like, I really want to know who the score is. And also it came mm. up and I was like, I kind of kind of tracks, really. You kind of yeah. hear almost a Cohen-esque, you yep. know, aesthetic to it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really, 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 really good score. I think the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, oh, yeah, this movie is really, really good. You know? it, I love I love the fact that Carter Burwell actually picks his moments. He will definitely leave a scene. If he feels like a scene works, he'll leave it. He just won't touch it. And if he feels like it just needs a little bit, he will be as minimal as he possibly can be. He knows he, he's got a very good instinct for how a film works. It's the final scene where they they're you know the confrontation on the beach and mm. the score after that moment it it just really it, it's really devastating and yeah you know it's where where you kind of sit back and think this movie just started off about just a petty argument or you know just <laughs> yeah. a, you know just a silly little thing and it's escalated to a point where you just you just feel really really devastated yeah it, there's two lives that are completely ruined completely changed and th there's only really one winner in this and that's because she's actually left the island yeah she got out yeah she got out i mean the and island of in, yeah the island of yeah. insurance is clearly you know they may be away from the you know the the, the fighting on the mainland but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're away from harm you know no. probably maybe doing as they're probably doing more harm to each other just by being isolated together or not you know it's 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 almost like cabin fever isn't it um, yeah they're they're all suffering from it i mean there's there's one bit where siobhan she says um you're all boring everybody's boring yeah. <laughs> i think oh god yes they are because they're all so stuck in the ways and they are because they need to exist but then you think, why are they bothering, you know, with this daily grind, almost? It's yeah. it's kind of inbuilt. Hmm. Um, do you, I mean, we could, I think we could just go and pick apart little bits about this movie for ages, but do you have anything, like, you know, more to add that, you know, a bit of a, a larger point or anything mm. off the top of your head? Nothing springs to mind. Um, Put, putting you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> no, just go and watch it <laughs> again. <Yeah. laughs> um, I mean, it's it's worth it just to appreciate the script writing on this. Um, it's it's such a good script, and I found myself 
kind of expecting and anticipating particular lines the second time round. And it was obviously funny because I was in a picture house where obviously there were people that hadn't seen it before. So I was kind of pre-laughing. And good God, there is plenty to laugh at in this film. As long as you've got a humour that is as black as pitch, which I have. Um, And let's face it, the McDonough's are known for the filthiest black of humour anyway. So... Yeah, it's, it, it just kind of tracks, but yeah, I just found myself <laughs> giggling quite a lot and laughing out loud a lot and then thinking, oh God, I really should not be laughing at that. <laughs> it It's an interesting film in that his previous three films have all had loud characters. Ray Fiennes mm. in, in Bruges, Seven Psychopaths has got, well, you know, the seven psychopaths, you know, yeah. everyone apart from Colin Farrow in that movie is mad. Yeah. Um, and then you've got um, in three, three billboards, it, it's Sam Rockwell's character. Mm. You know, they're all loud, brash, off the wall characters. And Dominic's the closest we get to that, but it's never played off in the same way as Ray Fiennes in Bruges or no, you know, the, the, no. it's, it's deeply underpinned by tragedy, deeply, deeply underpinned, you know, and, and, you know, layered, layered with, grief and sadness and it's never you know his character is is at times you know some of the things he says and does is played off for laughs but it's never played in a like we're not laughing at him because we think he's stupid we're laughing kind of at the situation that he's placed himself in and the things that he's saying you know it's we are coming from a place of empathy we're coming from a place of sympathy with him and that's you know a character, and I think that's kind of where this movie really, really like has its strength is that it's a really, really understated movie when you stop to think about it. You know, you, you said when the first view and watching it is quite a slow moving, slow paced mm-hmm. kind of film, but it's it doesn't need to have you know the brashness. You know, it's just it's just a a film that is very, very set on showing one on showing these themes in a way that makes sense because at the end of the day you know thinking about mortality is not it's not a laugh a riot you know a laugh a minute <laughs> no. kind of thing you know um you know this isn't the scene in monty python's meaning of life where they're all kind of at the dinner tables and stuff you know it isn't that scene it, you know it's not played off for laughs it's not that kind of movie um yeah it's yeah this it, it's this is something special, really, really is. Yeah, this um, is strong recommend. Mm. Yeah, if if you you know if you made it this far without watching the movie, I mean, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Um, so yeah, this strong recommendation for both me and Kev. Really, really is. Um. So yeah, I I think I think we're kind of wrapped up now with that. Yep. Um, so Kev, um, where can we find you on, on the internet? And have you got anything special to plug? Um, I'm on, I'm on Twitter for the time being, <laughs> for, for the length and duration, I reckon. Um, I'm at Kevney, that's C-E-V-N-I. And as far as things to plug, um, obviously I'm on the House of Hammer podcast, uh, which is every fortnight and, uh, Film Guff, which is... 
every kind of when we can finish anything. We have have a huge project in the making and it's something that has been a long time coming. Uh, we started it in March and it's kind of a labour of love, but yeah, it's it's going to be something that's quite special and we're hoping to get it out before the end of this year. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm not going to, I'm saying, you know, no. not going to give it away, but I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, very, very, I feel very privileged to know what it is and I'm very much looking forward to, to it. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, so I might have to have a re-listen to last week's episode and see whether Ali gave it away. I, I don't know if he gave it away on the episode. Um, and then you can, He probably you know, forgot. He probably forgot about it, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the moment, um, at Nick S. Chandler. I have no idea. I mean, I'm not really posting much up on there. I've kind of migrated over to Mastodon, um, kind of enjoying the vibe. It doesn't have a last days of Rome kind of thing going on, which Twitter has at the moment. Um, so I'm at Mastodon. Um, I'm going to post the link up in my in the, in the show notes because it's kind of a bit of a, an, not an easy thing to say. Um, my website is superatomovision.com um i haven't really posted up anything on there but i'm now free from university and free from that kind of thing so hopefully i'll be able to get to do more writing um kinatomic is my other podcast um me and danny are releasing our november 2022 episode um on devil in a blue dress and alfred hitchcock's rebecca it is our first alfred hitchcock of our podcast which i can't believe it's taken us this long it's also our first denzel washington um which i can't believe it's taken us this long as well um so that's going to be coming out probably next week we have a really exciting guest for that um our first guest as well for keen atomic um i have no idea how we managed to pin him down but we did um it's it's not what you know it's who you know um yeah so in the meantime um Real Talk, uh, you know, at the moment is on Twitter. Um, thank you for joining us for another episode. Remember, we are part of the We Made This Podcast Network. Please subscribe to Real Talk and give us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to help out our network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash we made this. Um, I just want to thank Kev again for coming on. Thanks a lot. It's good to talk to you again, especially yeah. about this. Yeah, um, definitely a step up from Bullet Train. <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely um i'm sure i'm definitely have you on um again uh we're great to have you on again uh in the new year for something just as fantastic i hope or just as you know meh <laughs> we'll see uh in the case of no Bullet black Trent. adam <laughs> no black oh god yeah did you did you listen to the episode between me and ali <laughs> Uh, no, because Ali cried too much to me the other day, and I thought, okay, I possibly uh, wait on that one. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a fun. It was a much more interesting and fun conversation to have about the movie than it was to actually yeah. watch the movie. I, I love the fact that Ali's coming back on just because he felt like he should say sorry for being so negative. <laughs> which is always a good thing <laughs> yeah um so that that yeah that's our black adam episode which is our last episode uh give that a listen i mean i usually say don't you know you know usually say watch the movie before you go into a spoiler section but it really doesn't matter with black adam <laughs> just go straight into the spoiler section um we kind of skip the spoiler free section we just go straight into it 
um, because it's that kind of film. Um, next week, I'm hoping to do Park Chan-wook's Decision to Leave, um, which is the next movie on this week. Um, and then after that, it's Glass Onion, and I have a really, really good guest for that. So keep an eye out for that on Real Talk. Um, like I said, Real Talk is part of the We Made This Podcast Network, and for a taste of our other shows, can be heard in just a second. But for now, and for myself and my guest, Kev, it is a goodbye, and thank you for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, and this is Frame to Frame, part of the We Made This Podcast Network. We are a podcast that take two seemingly unconnected films and slam them together with the most obscure theme that we can find. I'm Andy Williams. And I'm Sean Wilson. And every Wednesday, you'll be able to find out a little bit more about the different themes and different films that we look into. You can hear moments such as this. Gwyneth Paltrow has as many Oscars as David Cronenberg. That's just wrong in every sense of the word. Um, yeah, but you can't get a candle that smells like David Cronenberg. No, wait, I'm not going to get there. Um, <laughs> no, no, don't, don't do that. I mean, we've we've done nearly ten minutes on why you dislike Zack Snyder, and that was just the first <laughs> the first person that I mentioned as as a, a, a talented name. <laughs> the, now you've got you've got to make get, take us in a positive direction, please. Okay. <laughs> Jared Butler is the lead of this film. Oh, that's not a good start. That's, that's really not a good start at all. Keep going. <laughs> I just want to say, Emma, I really, I really love your philosophy about no matter how good or bad a movie is, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. I, re- I really like that philosophy because I find myself grappling with that. It's kind of like it's really easy to tear something down because the finished product that comes out in the cinema or on streaming is nominally bad, but it has actually had a fair amount of effort that went into it regardless of how that's planned. Be sure to check your podcast app of choice every Wednesday to find new episodes. You'll be able to like, subscribe, and find us on social media at Frame to Frame Pod.